Welcome to Autism Warriors, Episode 6, He Looks Okay to Me, Part 2. You can catch us on our website at AutismWarriors.com. Our email is feedback at SayItProductions.com. Twitter, SayItProds, that's P-R-O-D-S. Our voicemail is 813-915-6390. We're live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just want to let you know that we respect and uphold the rights of people to make choices concerning their family member with autism, whether it be vaccinations, therapies, or medications. My name is Erica Plord, and I'm mother to two children on the spectrum, Cassidy 9 and Garrett 7. And I'd like to introduce my co-host, Pam. Good evening. My name is Pam Mari. I am mom to Joey. Joey's 13 years of age, and he also is on the autism spectrum. Good evening. Uh- <laughs> Good evening to you too. I <laughs> uh, use that term loosely as we go along here. <laughs> hey, I we received an email. Um, the person used a, a nickname. I am creative, and she just he or she said hello. I just downloaded the Autism Warrior podcast episode five, and heard the story about Garrett and Mister Whale. My youngest son used to cry a lot in class. In class, a lot. His kindergarten teacher thought it was separation anxiety, and she suggested that we send something in his backpack that he could peek at when he was anxious. We sent a small square of his blanket to school in his backpack. When he felt like he was going to cry, he could peek at it and know it was there with him in school. It lessened the anxiety for him, and he quickly grew out of the crying episodes. Well, last week we talked about Mr. Whale. I remember and Mr. how Garrett Whale. had yeah Garrett had the meltdown. Um, she says, "Would it be better for Mr. Whale to travel to school with Garrett, with the understanding that he would have to leave it with Orlando, the bus driver, or he would be have to keep it in his backpack at school?" My two sons are fourteen and eleven, and I cringe at the thought of sending them off to school in a bad mood. As a matter of fact, I used to drive them to school singing and blaring the SpongeBob song "Best Day Ever," so oh, they would have happy thoughts when they walked into school that day. <laughs> yeah, she had, she had a rotten day, but they had. A good day. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoy listening to your podcasts. I don't have a child on the spectrum. However, my nephew is ASD and we appreciate the ability to understand more about autism through all available media. And that's from I Am Creative. Cool. Pretty cool. Well, are you going to? Well, I haven't. I, you know, I tried implementing the hidden in the backpack thing, but the teacher caught on to it. Because Garrett would take it out anyway, so I can't do that. I still haven't have yet to talk to the bus driver about it, you know, because it's busy in the morning and whatever. But yeah, I know about that. Yeah, yeah. So you had a story for us. I have a story if I can read it, um, and I only mention this because it was I found it a tad heartwarming. Uh, Joey has his own YouTube channel, and he likes to make videos of cartoons obviously why would he make a video of a real person you know i mean 
He likes to copy the cartoons, and he posts them there on on our YouTube channel. And he doesn't understand the concept that other folks make videos too, and that it's not considered quote unquote right, correct, or fair for him to copy their vids and repost them on his channel. You know, he'll be surfing around if he sees one he's, he likes. So like, oh, I'm going to shoot that one, you know, and then he puts it up on his channel. Uh, a young man of 15 posted a comment on our channel, which, by the way, I have to put, what do I want to say, a censorship kind of thing where I get to read the comments first because we were being trolled by some little stinker. Uh, so this young man posts a comment on the channel to the effect that he did not appreciate us, quote unquote, stealing his videos and reposting them on Joey's site. So, as always, I tried. I emailed him and I explained about the ASD and asked that he would be kind enough not to be upset with Joey. And I get a return email. He actually wrote back saying that he too had autism and he apologized for his outburst. And he said, I will remove the comment. You know, I, I truly understand the situation. So I just thought that was super, you know, another connection made. And you'd be surprised. We have many kids on YouTube that write and say that they, too, are on the spectrum. Wow. So I wish I could just make, like, an, an Audi channel on YouTube where they could all hang out together. I know, right? Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, but, you know, I don't own YouTube, so. Maybe someday when we're rich and famous. <laughs> so you had an announcement about the recent poll on the world autism community? Well, it's ongoing. Obviously, it stays up there until I take it down. But the the point is it, it continues to show the same type of numbers with the folks replying that the strongest area of difficulty for their kids is speech, followed by sensory, emotional deficits or emotional coping skills and with motor skills being the last. So... I think we're pretty right on there by categorizing them as the highest the highest uh, problem need being speech and maybe the lowest being the motor motor planning problems. Just oh, interesting. Okay. And I did get because we do post our pod every podcast that we have on the autism community under autism warriors podcast in the technology section and we did get a comment on last week's show oh cool from what did it say what did it say <laughs> from autism dad he said very good show with a big smiley face so i know who that is i know who that is and he's very active poster i think he also posts a lot on twitter too oh okay yep so. he liked our show so cool thank you that we was appreciate pretty cool. it Definitely. Okay, so we are on to resources. Resources. I found a couple resources. Um, this particular one was autism-resources.com. It has links to other websites with a slew of information for just about anything autism. But be careful because some of the links are broken. Um, it doesn't look like a really ultra-professional website, but there is a lot of content in there that is helpful. So I thought I'd shoot that one out there. Um, and then I found, then just in looking, you know, I, I'm always trying to educate myself. I, I was talking with someone about pediatric doctors that need to be more aware. And I found this article on the American Academy of 
pediatrics and it just talks to pediatricians about their role in identifying and diagnosing or referring autism and treating the medical issues that often arise with children on the spectrum. Not really a resource worthy, but I thought for the diehard autism warrior moms and dads out there listening, it might be a useful tool to give to your pediatrician to educate. And that can be found on the autismwarriors.com show notes. Cool. Cool. Okay. It's a P, it's a PDF. You know, you can okay. print it down. It's it's pretty interesting. It just talks to the and, it, and it's actually talking to the provider of service. It's not like it's, you know, it's a whole article just made for just the doctor for, them, for okay. the doctor because oh. they they have educational materials out there, but I don't think they're all accessing them. So, huh. but those were the resources that I found. Well, this week I kind of stumbled on the first one. I can't really even remember how I stumbled upon it, but it is a YouTube video. I, I guess I'm showing my YouTube addiction here, but it's a YouTube video about a young man with autism named Seth, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, but it's C-H-W-A-S-T, so I'll say twast or something. Mm-hmm. Um, something's got to be silent in there, but it shows his story. It's it's his mom talking, and, and he's in it also. But it just goes to show you, when he was little, she said she tried every type of therapy she could get her hands on. And nothing seemed to bring this child out of himself, nothing. She lost her husband to the struggle. They split up, um, and she was left alone with this little boy to do the best she could. Well, now, at the age of 20... And I think this might even be a dated video, so maybe by now he's 21. But she just thought, what the heck? She enrolled him in an art class at, I think it was the uh, museum in Boston, sponsored by the museum. Well, you ought to see this. They compare him to Van Gogh. Oh, wow. Unbelievable paintings that this young man produces. And... You know, everybody is just astonished. I think she may have even opened his own gallery for him. But just to hear her talk about it, I I chose it because look at all she went through and she never gave up. And she said, whatever it is, try it. Try it. The banjo music, riding horses, you know, planting flowers. Doesn't matter. Give it a shot. If they don't respond, they don't respond. But... You know, it's in there. Something was in him, and she was able to draw it out. So That's I just great. thought it was really, really worth watching. Uh, the second one, again, I don't know how I stumbled on this, but it is an article uh, in the archives of CNN.com, and it's called Thomas the Tank Engine, which whom I really don't care for, but a lot of kids like Thomas. <laughs> Thomas My kids the, love Thomas. <laughs> uh, it gives me the creeps. But Thomas the Tank Engine helps kids with autism identify emotions. And what it is is a group out of Australia called Aspect, A-S-P-E-C-T. When you click on the link, you will be taken to the CNN page. And embedded in the article is the Aspect link you can click on. They have a game on their website, and it's a Thomas the Tank Engine game. And it's, you know, all five of the engines come out of the roundhouse or whatever it's called. And then they say, you know, pick which engine is sad. And you click on it, and it'll say, yes, Thomas is sad, Okay. So I did it tonight. I thought I'm going to give this a try. I got them wrong. You did. <laughs> I got them wrong. 
<laughs> You're emotionally unstable. <laughs> I can't identify emotions either. So <laughs> maybe you're on the you. autism don't, spectrum. Don't feel bad, guys. You know, if you get them wrong, because I want to take it, but I don't see the embedded link in the in the article. It's in there somewhere where it says go to. Oh, I had it up on the other computer. You go to the aspect website. Hmm. It has to reference that in the in the article in the CNN article. And when you go to the Aspect website, you go to the media section, and it's a drop down. It says "Play Thomas's Emotion Game." Oh, cool! Very cool. So it was just cute for kids that like Thomas. You know, if you don't, I guess you're, they won't be interested in it. But it's a starting point for identifying emotions thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, on to our segments. Have you ever run into a person who does not understand why your child is behaving in an inappropriate way? Or have you had someone say to you, well, he or she looks okay to me. And then they're scratching their head like, what are you talking about? Well, last week we talked about sensory speech or we have sensory speech, social skills, motor skills, cognitive functioning, emotional coping skills. Um, our first topic is motor skills. And I don't know, Pam, do you want to elaborate on that? Or Well, this is one uh, I did a little more research tonight pending the show because I would really they refer to it as motor skills, motor skills planning or motor planning skills. Uh, basically, the things that you take for granted as a kid, like the ability to hold a pencil, uh, using scissors, uh, working buttons or zippers or holding a crayon, coloring. It's the old coloring within the lines thing. Yeah, Garrett had a hard time and still has a hard time with that. I used to think it was ridiculous. Uh, Gross, those are fine motor skills. The the things that you basically do with your fingers, you know, know, like threading a needle. A pincer grasp. Yeah. Pincer grasp. Um, And then you have gross motor skills, which are things like jumping, running, walking in a straight line, catching a ball, bouncing a ball. Um, and as I was reading these these notes tonight, I remembered when we went for Joey's kindergarten evaluation and they did the hop on one foot test. Oh, yeah. Did you do that? I mean, yeah, we did that. Foot. We did that with Cassidy. She fell over. Um, <laughs> well, again, she couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. I must have been, you know, I should be like the the Rocky Balboa statue for denial because, you know, hop on one foot. And I was like to my husband, what the heck? So what? So what do you, you know, you hop on one foot, go ahead, try it, you know. But I didn't understand what they were looking for. You know, the throwing him a ball and that he would go whoosh, you know, and, the, and completely miss it. You know, the arms would go the wrong way and that type of thing. Or just walking up the stairs, they go, okay, well, is your child walking up one step at a time? Yeah, or what was I forgot about that? Well, what was foot that over foot, foot over foot, because there's certain milestones that they will reach by a certain age, and I think it's like three or four that they start learning to walk foot over foot up the stairs. Garrett still to this day, and he's seven, will do one step at a time. Coming down, he's mo- he's afraid of the stairs. Yeah. He's not as bad going up, but coming down, he does one step at a time. He doesn't do foot over foot. And he holds that railing like there's no tomorrow. He's afraid. Oh, I do too. 
I do too. He's definitely afraid he's going to fall down the stairs. But those things, you know, like I say, at that point in time, I thought they were nitpicking the the therapists and whatnot. I was like, what's so? Who cares if he can't hop on one foot, you know, or or skipping? Who can skip anymore? But one lady I read described her daughter's running as galloping. She said she galloped, and she wasn't trying to be like a horse. That was her normal run. Yeah, so Cassidy ran, and she would hold one hand up, and they. They said that that was Uh sort of clinically significant back when she had her initial evaluation for autism. That was clinically significant that we needed to take her to a neurologist because it may be cerebral palsy. Oh, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I don't think so, Ricky, but, you know. That's a little drastic. But, yeah, again, this is why for folks that are new to this, this is why they point out these things. Because when you're looking at your kid, you're usually if your child can walk, you're thankful that they can walk, you know, and if they can navigate, you're happy with that. Whereas you're, you're just not looking through the same pair of eyes. And exactly. Because there are certain milestones that early in early develop, early childhood development that they will meet or exceed um, such as holding a pencil, using scissors, working buttons, zippers, coloring. <clears throat> and now with Garrett, he had a very hard time. He didn't know which hand he wanted to use. He's a left. He's ultimately a lefty, but he would color with both hands. We never. But we we also got special because he couldn't really hold the crayon, not even the big fat crayons. So we got the special ones where he could hold it, like in his. It was like a bulb on the end where he could hold it and grasp it that way and color that way. I don't know if you're if you know where I'm going with that. They're, they call them toddler crayons. They're big fat things with the pointy part on the bottom, and you kind of hold on to it like you're holding a doorknob. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's how we got them started, and we used to make them cut, use the scissors all the time. We made them hold a pencil, you know. Even just giving them Cheerios helps with the pincer grasp. Oh, that's true. Okay. Even, you know, picking up little things, little beads, working with beads or so, or something. But I think the point with the motor skills is that you can get OT, you can get PT to help, you know, develop those skills. As they, Joey still gets OT. I don't think he, they're really looking for motor skills with him. Um, he gets it for other reasons, but I'm sure that through some kinds of therapy, they can help the kids advance with that, you know. And then I'm sure that there are folks that still, uh, as adults, have some motor planning issues, whether it be with the way they walk, you know, or, or something like that. So yeah, it's just another one of the things that isn't obvious, you know. It isn't obvious to a passerby that your child can't button a shirt you know, or tie his shoes or, or do some fine motor activity. Yeah. Cassidy's nine now. And by usually by eight or nine, you should know how to tie your shoes. And we have worked and we have worked and worked and worked. She can't tie her shoes. (laughs) She just can't do it. Uh, She tries like heck, but she just, she, she gets so frustrated. So now she, she'll get them tied and she won't untie them. She just slips them off and then slips them back on the next day. Yeah, but I never, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I can't because I, I tie them so tight. You know, I could get them off, but I have to untie them. I had a hard time as a child learning how to tie my shoes. So they maybe maybe that's just a genetic thing. I don't know, but well, the next one, social skills. This is a biggie, and I think this persists for our guys throughout their entire life in one gray scale or another. And by that, we mean basically the lack of understanding that other people have feelings too. Um, Joey had me playing some game tonight and they, they just don't understand that you want to go do something else. I don't want to play this anymore. And you have two kids, so maybe you get to, here comes Kipper. Um, maybe you get to go through that where, you know, maybe your daughter wants to continue doing something and your little boy will say, but I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I want to stop. I want to do something different. You know, they just don't understand that other folks have their own mind and want to do what they want to do. You know, you can't impose your will on everybody. Oh, that we had that tonight. We They were playing on their PlayStation. They were playing Little Big Planet and Cassidy was player one and Garrett was player two and Cassidy decided that she didn't want to play that level anymore. And she said, we're going to go to a different level. Well, Garrett had a melt, literal meltdown. It was about 6.30, quarter to seven. He goes to bed at seven o'clock and his meltdown consisted of and slamming the, the, um, the controller on the coffee table. And I was like, listen, bud, you can't do that. Go to bed. 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 He just didn't understand, grasp that concept. Now, Cassidy used to be that way, but since I've gotten her into individual therapy and group therapy, I mean, in eight weeks, she's come a long way because she's only been doing the group therapy for eight weeks. But now she's starting to use her I feel statements and starting to understand that other people have feelings too. Yeah. So. It's an ongoing thing for them, and I think maybe if we're fortunate enough to get an adult person with autism, Asperger's, uh, to come on the show later, they can elaborate on that for us because I've talked to some of them, and, and they'll say, you know, I just don't – the one guy said to me, you have to tell me when to shut up because I don't really know when to stop talking. I don't <laughs> understand when it's appropriate for me to stop talking. I kind of get on a, a roll, and I don't know when to stop. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, they may not, the kids may not understand how to approach someone else to talk or play with them or ask for something. You know, hey, Johnny, can I can I play with your truck? They might just go up and grab it, you uh. know, and take it. And and the other parents probably going to think, oh, look at that little brat. And his parents that even ever teach him right, you know, that you should ask for something. That's another difficulty. And this here's a good one is, and we all suffer from this to, you know, to an extent. Being blunt and to the point, blurting things out or uh, offering opinions without considering the feelings of others. Like last year I took Joey to camp and there's a girl there. She's probably taller than I am. And she came right up in my face, like nose to nose. And she said, you smell like smoke. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the counselors said, Sophia, stop it. And I said, no, she's right. I do smoke. You know, but that's all she said when she walked up to me and said, you smell like smoke. So, yes, it's true, you know, but it doesn't, you or I would think to ourselves, oh, God, she's a smoker. You know, I won't say anything, but 
they don't get those little social nuances that it's not polite to say, you know, boy, you're really fat, you know, or, or something like that. Um, like Garrett used to walk around and, you know, he had a fascination with women's butts and what he used to refer to as balloons. You have big balloons. <laughs> Did he actually say that to somebody? He would, he would. Okay. In that, and another thing, talk about personal space, which we're, I think we're going to hit upon. But he would walk up and slap women's heinies. Nobody taught him that. He would just walk up and go, nice butt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well. But all the women loved him. Because, he, you know, he has big eyes and, you know, long eyelashes and bad as eyelashes. And they were like, oh, he's so cute. I'm like, I'm mortified. Sorry, he just slapped your butt, you know, <laughs> and told you you had big balloons. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you got to laugh about it. I mean, really, it's just their, their timing is impeccable. Inex- yeah. <laughs> inexplicable how they, they managed to time some of these remarks. But but that's it. And even um Oliver Sacks, the, the famous psychologist that wrote Awakenings, you know, the Robin mm-hmm. Williams movie, mm-hmm. he wrote a story about the fact that he went to interview Temple Grandin uh, way on the other side of the United States. So he flew, obviously, on, on the plane all day, and maybe he was laid over in one city and yada, yada. Well, by the time he got to her office, he was dragging, you know, and he comes dragging in, he plops down the chair in her office, and he said any other person would have said to him, hey, Dr. Sachs, you know, how was your flight? Um, did it take long? You know, I see you're running late here. Did you get hung up at the airport? Are you, you want a cup of coffee? You know, do you want to go out and get something for lunch first before we start? She just started right in on her spiel. Well, I'm here to tell you this and that about autism. And he thought, <laughs> he said, I thought to myself, my God, she just doesn't get it. You know, she doesn't get the fact that I've just flown for 13 hours or whatnot. I'm tired. I'm sweaty. I'm hungry. I got to go to the bathroom. She, boom, she went right into her spiel because wow. she still does not think that way, you know? So that's, that's part of it. That's what we're trying to say here, that they don't understand the unspoken social rules. And you could say, well, neither do children. No, children don't either. But even small children pick up on it quicker than our guys do. Yeah. You know, you can say to your kid, honey, it's not nice to burp in the store, you know, and eventually they'll get it. You know, well, in our world, we're still working on it, you know, still Garrett, working Garrett on it. Garrett burps and laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you say? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get that much sometimes, but it, it can be anything like you say. Uh, wearing clothing when it's appropriate to keep your clothing on. Mm-hmm. which we're kind of going through here sometimes, burping and farting and using manners and taking turns, you know, with other kids. Absolutely. Um, See, even in my household, my kids, I mean, just the two of them, they don't know how to take turns. They they don't. And then they get mad. And when they uh, sometimes when they interact with other kids, they're OK. And sometimes they're not. It depends on, I guess, their moods. And sometimes they can take turns and, and sometimes they can't. I mean, they're learning. They're learning. So. Um, another thing, I'm yelling at my dog, so it's now it's a good time for me to talk about using proper voice volume. Sometimes I either talk too loudly or too softly. And many, many of our guys have a, a monot- 
monotonous tone to their voice. Uh, very, very monotone. No inflection. Yeah, Cassidy used to have that robotic speech. Yeah. My name is Cassidy. <laughs> I want a drink of water. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, she's told she doesn't do it anymore, but she also has a very soft voice. Mm-hmm. And then she gets frustrated if you don't hear her, if you yeah. ask her to repeat herself. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to forget it. You said something, and I, I didn't hear what you said, so please tell me what you said. Oh, just forget it, Mom. Okay. <laughs> I asked you. I'm done. I'm not going to ask you again. Yeah. And mommy's not a mind reader. And right there you have it. She She's young yet, but she doesn't understand the fact that the fact that she's speaking low is not, I don't want to say her fault, but it's her her lack of volume that causes you not to be able to hear it. It's not that you're, you are not listening. Exactly. You know? And then I have Garrett on the other end of the spectrum, the, the voice spectrum, who talks really loud at times to the point where it's like, Garrett, can you, if you say you use your in, inside voice, he doesn't understand that. He just talks really loud. Yeah, I've tried that Barney indoor voice thing too, and it doesn't always work. And like you said, there's also not understanding about personal space, which, you know, standing too close to someone or getting in their face or, you know, getting in their face when you're talking. Just give me a little, you know, I need some some space. To, yeah, uh, Garrett did that the other last week while we were in the waiting room waiting for Cassidy for her group therapy. He walked. There was a little a little girl in there playing on uh, nin, her Nintendo DS, and he had his with him. And he walked. I mean, literally got right up in her face. Oh, you've got a Nintendo DS, and oh, what game are you playing? And and she's kind of like, eh, get away from me. <laughs> You know, and then he's like, and she didn't say a word, not one word to him. And so he came and he sat next to me and he's like, I don't understand why she's not talking to me, mom. And he just kept going on and on and on about it. And I'm like, listen, Gary, you got into her personal space and you made her feel uncomfortable. And now maybe she's a little bit shy of you. Well, I don't understand why she's shy of me. I'm like, because Garrett, you got in her face and you can't do that well i don't still don't understand why she won't won't talk to me i'm like well go ahead and play your nintendo ds we'll talk about it later well on the issue of personal space now i'll give you this little here's another little story and and i offer it in honor of my ex-boss larry who passed away because don and i just about bend over in laughter when we go through this story. We all, we worked together at a government office and they hired a young man in a computer position, shall we say, for our office. And he was a little different. Um, Very smart, but just a little different. He was obsessed with the Simpsons. Really? At like 28, 30 years of age, he was still going on about the Simpsons and whatnot. Anyway, one day we're going down the hall to, to the break room to smoke a cigarette and here comes the the aforementioned computer programmer up the other side of the hallway. Now, there was more than enough space for the three of us to go down on the right and for him to come up on the left. But as we approached each other, he literally slammed himself up against the wall like, like, like the subway train was coming through and was going to get him. 
until we passed. And our boss, who was an older gentleman, been around the block about a million trillion times, referred to him as a wall slamming three letters, S-O-B. <laughs> Harvey Wall Slammer. But I honestly think that this poor guy had, probably had Asperger's, and he he did not feel that there was enough space for all of us to get through the hallway. So he made this this over-exaggerated effort to get out of the way. You know, because once we passed, he was fine. But now, in retrospect, I look back on him and his personality and, and some of the strange things that he did that he thought were socially acceptable to, like, smash a Coke can against your forehead in a board meeting. <laughs> you know, I mean... And we were like, what is up with this guy? But I truly believe that he probably had Asperger's. So it's possible. Little, little it's possible. Ditty. Little ditty. So moving on, um, those are just little flecks of the iceberg about the social skills thing. And it, like I say, it, you, it can be found in the adults in the, in the community also. Mm -hmm. And they will, will gladly tell you. You know, well, I just didn't know. That's what I wanted to do. Or that's what I saw. So I said it. You know, that's just right. kind of, they kind of function more on logic and just put it out there, you know. Uh, the next category is emotional coping skills. Oh, difficulty dealing with emotions. And for our household, this is a biggie. Disappointment, mm -hmm. sadness, frustration, a big one. Frustration being the biggest. Yeah, not not able. Too. Yeah, I mean, not able to control temper when placed in stressful situation. Inability to express emotions because if there's a speech delay, or even if the speech hasn't become as refined as as yours and mine, it's not easy for them to get it out. Like, why are they frustrated? So. It's very, it's like a vicious cycle. You know, I'm upset because I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because I can't tell you why type yeah, of thing. If, I mean, if they're unable to identify their emotion, how are they going to express it? Yeah, I mean, and that's not to say that you or I or, I mean, I try to think back. Did I ever break anything because I was angry? Did I ever throw anything because I was angry? Not too many times because I'm just not a, a thrower or a breaker, but... I yell pretty well, you know, I can scream and yell just as good as Joey can, you know, but it, it's the frustration. My friend Judy often says, she says, Pam, they hit or they scratch or they bite. The aggression comes because I've said to her, where does this, why is this, why, why is there this aggression issue? And she said, it comes from frustration. It mm -hmm. is the sheer frustration of not being able to communicate. And once they find a mode to communicate through, the frustration will lessen and hence the, the aggression will lessen also. Absolutely. So it makes it hard for them to cope. And like you say, the emotion thing, uh, like I tried to get something out of Joey tonight. Well, like why? He would say, I'm frustrated. And I was like, why are you frustrated? I don't know. <sighs> Ugh. You know, so I think. Well, that's what I did with Garrett tonight after he slammed the PlayStation controller thing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to call it. Controller. 
Yeah, controller? the controller. The controller. After he slammed it on the coffee table, I sent him to his room, and I and I said, "You're going to bed now." Too bad, you know. And then I went upstairs a little while later, and I said, "Why did you slam the computer, or not the computer thing, the the controller?" And he was like, "Because Cassidy did this, and Cassidy did that." I said, "No. Why did you slam the controller?" Because Cassidy did this and Cassidy did that. I said, no. Were you angry? Yeah, Mom, I was angry. I said, okay. But do you know you're not supposed to do that? Yeah. I said, because if you, I said, next time use your words. If you're angry, use your words. Don't fly off the handle. Don't slam things because if you break it, I'm not buying you a new one. Oh my gosh, I feel like I should have that on tattooed on my forehead. If you, you break know. it, I'm not yeah. getting you a new one. Yeah. Been there about a hundred times a day with that that one liner. But again, think about think about how frustrating that is. And I'm just boy, I'm just full of stories tonight. Um, give you another one. When my mom was about sixty years old, she had a stroke. And she didn't comprehend what had happened to her. She was in the hospital at the time. I went in. And I said, Mom, going to Hardee's, do you want a ham and cheese sandwich? And instead of answering me, she said, well, she didn't answer me, but it came out. It's And my head turned and I said, what? And she looking at me like, what the heck's wrong with you? And again, she said, and I was like, holy mother Mary. I went flying out in the hall. Okay, get the nurse. Yes, she had a stroke. So it affected her speech, okay? We go to a different hospital, same situation. She's in there for like months and months and months or whatever. And I'd go in and I'd say, Ma, you know, what do you want me to bring? You want some yogurt or whatever? And she'd take the pen and the and she'd write, you know, X-O-P-R-F. And she'd show it to me. And I'd say, Ma, that doesn't mean anything. She would get so mad. She'd take the pen and like... Bam, 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 bam it on the paper, you know, like, you stupid idiot. Look at this. I'm trying to tell you it means yogurt. And I'd like, Ma, it don't spell nothing, you know. So imagine being trapped like that. There's nothing wrong with your faculties. You're thinking fine. And you think you're communicating okay, you know, but the rest of the world doesn't get it. Exactly. I mean, talk about frustration. Uh, sometimes I think God showed me that. So that I can understand a little bit better now. I'm not saying it's it's any easier, but having seen that, I understand what it's like to be capable mentally and not be able to communicate to others what you want. Exactly. That's like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when Cassidy was a lot littler, a lot smaller, maybe two, maybe three, probably three. Um, after, and this was after she went through her speech and language uh, therapy for over a year and a half and they discharged her and she regressed back to getting upset if some, you know, if something wasn't, um, she wasn't able to express emotions. So she would bang her head, bang her head on the floor, bang her head on the floor. And I didn't know what to do, you know, but, uh, same thing with Garrett. He has, he has his good days. He has his bad days. It seems to be his routine to have a conniption fit every morning when the bus gets here. But, um, 
you know, and Cassidy is learning now after two years of behavioral therapy, how to express her emotions. We've made, we've made strides with that. Um, she's able to say, well, you made me feel this way, or I felt this way because you did X, That's Y, excellent. Z. That is excellent. Well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. She's beating up on me, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to be beat up on anymore. My kids were beating on me, slapping me, kicking me, biting me. And I was like, I can't take it anymore. I am done. This has got to stop. We are going to behavioral health therapy. I don't know why I decided with behavioral health therapy, but I called, made myself my own referral, got her in there, and we invite Garrett to go every once in a while. But after tonight's episode, I think I'm going to start him on his own behavioral health therapy. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I might, you know. He needs it on an individual basis, not with Cassidy in the room, because then they then all he wants to do is play and all she wants to do is play. And it's just not productive. So, Mm. yeah. Oh, good move. Good move on your part. Yeah. Well, our last category for tonight is cognitive functioning. And I guess that's a fancy. I never used the word cognitive before in my life until Joey was diagnosed. I don't even think I knew what it meant. And perhaps I don't even now. But it, it's the level on which you function on a daily basis. And although some persons with autism also may, and I use the word may, have a lower level of functioning, this in no way means that all persons with autism are mentally challenged, parentheses, mentally retarded, okay? Many have very high IQs and talents. The assumption is In society, a lot of people still believe that everyone with autism is retarded or that the terms are interchangeable. That's why they, that's why you get the, the odd look, the raised eyebrow and the question, but he looks okay to me. Yeah, because they expect to see some type of. They hear the word autism and they think they're not educated enough or they haven't been around somebody with autism it hasn't touched their lives and they're like, but they look normal. You know, they're, I don't know what their thought process is when they see when, when I, for me, when I say that, even, even my family members are like, I don't know what you're talking about. These, your children are fine. I'm like, are you kidding me? You don't live with them every day. I I think it's truly because years and years and years ago, that was a very, very diagnosis that wasn't used that much. No. It wasn't used that much. Um, So you were left with MR or if people back then even knew what Down's syndrome was. I know my husband's from overseas and believe it or not, they use the term mongoloid. And since Joey was born, I said, don't you ever use that word in my house again. I don't want to hear it because they use it just to refer to like you're an idiot. You know, oh. Oh, he's an idiot. They'll say, hey, the, you know, in Italian, they'll say, idiot, a mongoloid. And I'll look at him like, don't, don't do that. Okay. That's not correct. It's not nice. Pick another word. Okay. I'm sure you have 50,000 dirty Italian words you can use. Okay. Don't use that terminology in this house. So, and I think it, it kind of. Connects with that, you know, the the facial uh, characteristics of somebody with, if there even, I'm sure there is 
I don't know, a true diagnosis called mongoloidism, and maybe they don't even use that term anymore. But because, you know, you look in on our kids and, and you see them hitting somebody and, it's you know, the outsiders think, oh, look at that little brat, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas if you see a child in the supermarket in a wheelchair or something, you automatically think, okay, this child is disabled, therefore whatever they do is due to their disability. But with our guys, it's it's a little different. Yeah. They don't see the disability because it's not readily visible. Yeah. So that's what these two episodes were about, the fact that when you see a kid acting out in public or having a hard time or a mom having a hard time with their kid or you ask a child a question, they don't answer you, or the kid on the block, you know, Again, my sister-in-law has a kid on her block that he's a run-on talker. You know, she told me, I like ice cream. Can I have some ice cream? Uh-oh. Can I have? How much ice cream can I have? Can I get another ice cream? Just like that, you know. And she was like, mm, I think something's up here, you know. Um, so hopefully the more we talk, the more people will listen. And... You know, if we educate one person a week, that's one person more than we had last week. So that's right. That's it's right. time for it's Our time for random news stories. <laughs> the scaled back version. The scaled back version. Now I picked two, and you might be able to help me with this first with this first one because my children do not have an iPad, but they have their own netbooks with the Zach browser. Okay. And Zach has been a godsend along with other websites that they visit. But this one I picked, it says, can I, can the iPad be a learning tool for kids with autism? Okay. And I found Are it on the Huffington I found it on the Huffington Post. Yeah, I'm kind of asking you. I mean, I read the article and it says, we have the one. I- you do, and is it one. is it good for him? I mean, is he learning stuff from it? He's learning how to find more stuff on YouTube. He's <laughs> learning how to play the Angry Birds. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> He knows how to use Google Earth. Oh, uh, what else is on there? You can download books like we have the Cat in the Hat. We have Green Eggs and Ham, and they're really cool. You know, like I don't want to say animated versions, but you know, they read along. The books read along to you. Um, oh, oh kind of like a nook or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's a, such a visual tool, and our kids generally respond to visual learning, that that's why I think it's heralded as such a, a woohoo thing. But also, I'm sure that there are a lot of good – I've never downloaded but, any of them. But On that particular article, it has – it has different app or it has links to different applications and Gary James from apps for children with special needs. I guess they have applications that you could download. Yeah. They have social skill apps and I'm sure they have, you know, uh, communication apps, like maybe for kids that are, are using it as like a, a PEX communication type says where they would oh, okay. to something they want. I'm sure there's a ton of them out there. Um, and, Based on the fact that one unit is 500 bucks, you know, and some of the apps may be free, you probably oh, okay. can't beat it, you know. Yeah, but, but I'll tell you, I'm not buying my kid an iPad. He'd slam it around. Oh, I watch it like It would a get lot. broken probably in the first week, so. I know. We've had ours since December, and I'm like praying every day it survives. And then this other one kind of hit close to home because it happened in Connecticut. 
And if it would pull up for me, that would be wonderful. Please hurry up because I don't want to wait. But it was a bus driver. Well, first of all, the bus driver was arrested for texting while driving. But the aide on the bus a few months prior to um, the bus driver being arrested for texting was arrested for assaulting um, assaulting a nine-year-old autistic girl multiple times while the girl was riding on the bus. And it's, okay. hit, it's hit close to home. This was in Connecticut. Um, this is a story from last week, actually, March 16th. Um, I don't really care about the texting business. All I care about is the the aide on the bus was, you know, I, I guess she was working as a bus monitor on the bus, driven driven by her mother. The mother was the one that got arrested for texting. Um, but this woman who had been working as a bus monitor on the bus was arrested in August for allegedly assaulting a nine-year-old autistic girl multiple times while the girl was riding on the bus. Wow. I guess she, the case is still pending and she's scheduled to appear in court April 1st. Oh, that's World Autism World Autism Day. Oh, okay. Because April, April is Autism Awareness Month. Yes, How very poignant and appropriate. Mm. Well, all I can say about that is uh, part of that, and we have bus issues too, but part of that I think comes from I don't know how much they pay these folks. I mean, I'm told our bus drivers make a decent wage, but an aide or what have you, if if you want someone educated in the disorder to help the child, you don't pay them, you know, seven bucks an hour and give them no benefits. You know, you get what you pay for. Pretty much. And I think they get paid oh, minimum wage. I don't think they get paid a lot. Yeah. You know, so, but again, it's all about money and, uh, Unfortunately, the kids suffer. Yeah. So, but my random news story for this week, and it's very random again, uh, just a feel-good story about a young man that started a group uh, in Boston. And the story goes on, it's in the Boston Globe, the story goes on to say that he and his father drove past a special school for autistic kids every day on the way to this young man's school. And he used to see the little boy like, craning his neck to to see what the kids were doing or what you know and he'd say dad why did what kind of school is that you know and he'd say oh that's a special kid school and he kept asking he kept asking well why why do they go there why don't they go to my school you know well the father just it, finally he couldn't uh, shut him up anymore and he actually took him there and let him visit you know with the director and whatnot as to why the kids were there and he said the boy had always had and empathy for any special needs kid that was in his school, whether it would be a kid in a wheelchair, or what have you. So the child volunteered to, like we have our 5K run next month, be a runner and form a team, kids helping kids, to raise money for this school that he used to drive by every day. He raised $11,000. Oh, wow. And it went toward this school for autistic kids to help them build an aquatic center within the oh, school. Cool. So I just think it, it was a good read uh, as to the fact that he had always been a helper and he goes within his own school and spends an hour of his time. I think it's his, 
his study hall time or his, you know, reset, recess time or what have you. He gives of his own time an hour a day to work with one special kid each day. And he just said, well, whatever I can do, if it helps, it helps, you know. And I think our schools need to to see that if the children there are willing to give of themselves, even at an early age, let them do it. Exactly. Let them help our kids, you know, have some, have an adult help them. But even 10, 15 minutes that some quote unquote regular kid would come down to Joey's class and stand behind him and say, Joey, what are you doing? And he'd say, oh, I'm on uh, Starfall. I'm, I'm carving this pumpkin. That interaction with that child might make a world of difference. Exactly. So, exactly. That's why I picked that. So how was your week? Oh, my God. Today was – I'm not allowed to talk. I'll talk about it last week. Um, Joey's class went to, as he calls it, House 25, which is the Daily Living Skills Program. Uh, Joey swept the walk, folded laundry, took out the trash. He does none of these things at home, okay? <laughs> Daylight savings time means getting up in the dark for school, and it's going okay, but it's kicking my butt. The kids took their school standardized testing this week. And his teacher said he did well. Of course, we have to wait till the end of the summer for the results. Uh, a herd, I hope herd is the right terminology, a herd of deer saves my butt, meaning the one morning he was, you know how you can tell when there's a meltdown coming? Yeah. You know, you get, you know the it's sign. It's in the air. I mean, it's in the you air. Know, you know, you've done something, something has happened. You start to see them get a little escalated and you're like, OMG, what am I going to do now? You know, the bus is coming. We got to get going. We walk out to the car. He's still working up towards a good one. And what do we see there? A herd of deer. And I was like, look, look at that. You know, I can't say that because Kipper's right here at my feet and he'll take off like a. But that distracted him. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like, thank you, hooved animals, <laughs> for saving me. <laughs> And do you – oh, that was the phrase. I won't even say it now. I'll, I'll do that at some other show. But it's an unknown – for us, it's an unknown connection between certain phrases. I had said the phrase. I blew it. You know, I can't always watch what I say, but thank God Bambi and, and his family was out there to help me that day. So that was oh. our week. How was yours? I don't understand your your my garbledly cook. Those are just notes. Well, Cassidy what had, Cassidy came home. I don't remember what day it was. Um, with a C, what's called a CTC. Yeah, what's that? Critical thinking corner. Apparently, all of the kids in her class they had a substitute that day, and the entire class was disruptive, and she was ticked off when she came home because she was like, mom, I didn't, there was three people that didn't do anything. And now I was one of the people that didn't do anything. I don't know why I have to write this. They asked a bunch of questions about what happened and what could have been done differently and this, that, and the other thing. And she wrote, she was like, I did not do anything wrong. <laughs> it was the class that did something wrong. And what, you know, I'm like, you really need to understand that not that you did something wrong, but they want you to think about what happened and how things could have gone differently. They're not telling you that you're in trouble. 
They want you to think about it. Think about the situation and write about how things could have gone differently. And I did write on the back of the back of the page after I signed it, you know, Cassidy insists that, you know, whatever. Cassidy insists that she didn't do anything wrong. She does, I don't think she understands the concept of this CTC. If you could please explain it to her. I've explained it as much as I can, but this is something new to us because it's a new school that she goes to. She's never had to do those things before. So she thought she was in trouble and she can't, she can't grasp. She's like, hi, I'm a good girl. You know, she's, her teacher even says she's really quiet. So she was, she was overwhelmed by that. Um, Garrett is having, Garrett has a long last name and I'm not going to say it on line or anything but it's a hyphenated name and yeah it has his father's last name hyphen my last name and he still doesn't know how to spell his last name so i made him no matter how many times i've gone over it with him verbally he still could not spell his last name so what i did with him was i sat him down Last week, and I said, you're seven, you should know how to spell your last name. And you are going to sit there, and you are going to write it out for me. I wrote it out across the top of the page, and then I had him write it out. He still spelled it wrong. And, well, I we have a short name. last name, so we, we got off easy, you know. I know, he's got, like, P-L-O-U. He has 12 letters. I never saw a boy with a hyphenated last name. <laughs> I don't uh, We weren't thinking very clearly the day we named him. Okay. <laughs> Different. Cassidy has, because I was never married to the their father. So Cassidy has my last name, whereas Garrett has his father yeah. and my last name. Yeah. So... <laughs> the poor kid has this long Boy. 12 letter last name and he just he's just and he gets upset and then he starts banging his head and getting really frustrated and I'm like it's okay I want mommy wants you to write your last name on that piece of paper as many times as you can copy what mommy wrote I figure repetition is the motherhood of retention mm-hmm. and he'll retain it and whatever and I asked I tested him on his address Okay. He kept saying our we just moved here where we're living now in November. He kept saying the old address. Okay. So I had to te- reteach him his address. Um, he knew part. He got about halfway through my cell phone number, and then he just he goes. He said the last four digits, and he just they were random. I said nope. We're, so these are things we need to focus on and and reteach him again. Yeah. And again. It takes a while. And again. And again. <laughs> and again. And he laughed right. at me, but it, it bothers me, you know, like, what if he's separated from me? Yeah. You know, you know, somebody comes up to him and, you know, at least he knows his mother's name, but what if they say, well, what's your mother's phone number? And he doesn't know, you know? So we've been working on that. Um, I got a call from. The band director yesterday, Cassidy takes clarinet. Cool. Cass- I got a note that Cassidy 
hasn't been bringing no i didn't get a note i got a phone call yesterday cassidy hasn't been bringing her clarinet to school or at least to band practice and she said she sent two notes home to me i have not gotten those notes so i talked to you know i was on the phone with the band director for a half an hour and she's like is it that she doesn't really want to play i said no she's very interested in playing in fact she did practice last week she says well i send a practice sheet home every week that the parents have to sign and i i told her point blank i said listen lady i'm not going to sign a paper saying that my child practiced if she did not practice that would be lying and that is what i told cassidy i said you understand that she's on the autism spectrum okay And she's like, yes, the teacher did tell me that. I said, not that I'm using that as an excuse, but I guess we're going to have to somehow finagle it into the routine that Cassidy puts that clarinet in her backpack every Sunday night. So she has it in her backpack and she has it at school so she can actually take a lesson. And I mean, and I, I told her, you know, I had to talk with her yesterday. I said, you know. My sister bought her the clarinet where most people rent the clarinet for the year. My sister bought her this clarinet, brand spanking new, off of Amazon.com, had it sent um, to her. I bought her all the reads, got got all the books, everything. I said, if you're not going to practice, then I'm going to sell this clarinet and you're not going to be able to play. You need to get into the routine you do your homework, you practice your clarinet for a half an hour to an hour, then you play. I hate to no. tell you, but that's normal. That, that's normal. <laughs> that is normal, but it's something that was frustrating for me. <laughs> and then today she raced to get her through her homework. I was watching a movie in my room, and I figured, you know, give her time to do her homework. I'll sit in my room and... She raced, she did her homework in two minutes just to get it done. And I ended up having to make her redo it three times because she wasn't grasping the concept of what a noun is. I said, did you even pay attention in class when they, they didn't go over it with us, mom. I said, Cassidy, I don't believe you. I don't think you were paying attention. So I had to sit there. I'm like, listen, I already went through fourth grade. I don't want to go through fourth grade again. But you know what? If you need extra help with this, we will we will get this done. Whatever. So we got it done. It, it, she was got frustrated and I got frustrated and, you know, but it took us a half an hour, but she ended up getting it done. Um and, you know, Garrett still hates school and he doesn't want to go, but he always comes home in a good mood. Gee, I wonder why, because he want, you know, he's happy to be home, get off the bus. He's like, I'm in a great mood. I was on yellow today. I'm like, oh. why, why were you on yellow? You're supposed to stay yeah, on green. <laughs> I don't know, Mom. I don't know why I was on yellow. I said, well, when you figure it out, you need to let me know because that's not acceptable behavior. You need to be appropriate. And... You need to start being, you know, just being on green all the time. So, but that's pretty, you know, that's normal. I'm used to him being on yellow. <laughs> I just pray to God he doesn't get on red. Cause red, I'm, I was going to say, yeah. And I get a phone call from the principal. Yeah, well, you know, Garrett did this and Garrett did that. And I'm like, oh, nothing. I don't want another phone call saying that Garrett got suspended from school because he poked a kid in the eye with a paper. Yeah. Card. 
We don't need that. So, but what we'll be talking about next week, autism, a potpourri of positives, milestones, good things, talents, accomplishments, and downright awesome things our kids and adults on the spectrum do. Please, if you have any stories in which you would like to share, send us an email, drop us a line on the voicemail. Well, thank you, Pam, for joining me tonight. My pleasure as always. The dog left my side, so the the uh, conversation must have gotten a little dry for him or something. He walked away. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like I said, drop us a, uh, send us an email at feedback at saveproductions.com or drop us a line in the voicemail, 813-915-6390. Our website is autismwarriors.com. Catch us live at 8 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night. Um, check out sayitproductions.com backslash donate to find out all of the ways in which you can donate to keep this show up and running. Um, have a great week. We'll, uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern.